بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ارسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا الى الله باذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون وقال يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدع وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار my dear brothers sisters elders we looked at two aspects of challenging times and how to handle them which is why do they happen and how to tackle them by drawing on our own strength from experience of our own personal history as well as the history of our people in the world today we will see what strategies work in helping us to deal with challenging times looking going forward to begin a word about having a so called positive attitude and outlook we have little or no control over what happens to us but we have total control over what we can do with what happens to us and that begins with how we choose to view what happens people sometimes ask me if i have a positive attitude will it change anything so my answer is if you have a negative attitude will it change anything it's not the question of changing what is outside it's a question of what do you do with yourself inside i am reminded of something i saw in bihar in india many years ago and bihar is for those of you who don't know is one of the or probably the least developed provinces of india known mostly for its utterly horrible condition of all public services astronomical corruption even by indian standards and the number of people it regularly gives to the indian civil service it's a peculiar uh, contrast now we had stopped at a traffic light which was itself something to wonder at because it takes more than a mere traffic light to stop a bihari driver the road so called was a series of potholes joined together by little strips of asphalt laid probably about the same time as the egyptians were building the great pyramid as we waited for the traffic light to change i saw a young man of maybe 15 or so come racing down a slope on my right predictably he hit a pothole 
he was airborne for a few seconds he landed very expertly and then he shouted he said wah kya khadda hai yeah, those of you who understand urdu <laughs> he said wah kya khadda he said wow fantastic what a hole what a pothole and he raced through the red light proving that he was a blue blooded bihari and he went now that taught me a lesson taught me a very big lesson in life and that was that this boy had no control over the condition of the road but he could choose his reaction to it he chose to laugh and make everybody laugh it is that simple now sometimes people challenge you they say what will change if you are positive i say i say nothing maybe nothing in the outer world but everything inside you and that in that in turn changes how you view the external challenge and enables you to take a different approach which can be the solution you need as they say by the rules of aerodynamics a bumblebee cannot fly but bumblebees do not know aerodynamics so they fly our conditioning a great part of which is education predestines us to succeed or fail and this is one of the things that most parents either don't know or choose to ignore let's remember that our old ideas are the reason we are in this mess so another version of the old idea won't work we need new ideas which may scare the daylights out of us but which will illuminate the way in this world which is darkened by our own deeds i believe we need a two pronged approach a two pronged strategy return to allah subhanahu wa taala and change how we educate our children let's start with the first one return to allah subhanahu wa taala jalla jalalu and i say start with that because that is the starting point we saw how calamities come when we invite them by deviating from the path that allah subhanahu wa taala chose for us it's a no brainer to understand that the first thing to do therefore is istighfar and tauba is to repent for what we have done and to turn towards allah subhanahu wa taala to repent and turn away from our disaster inviting lifestyles and become obedient to allah subhanahu wa taala this we need to do individually as families and collectively as communities and globally the good news is that allah subhanahu wa taala's decision for relief will come when we reach a critical mass and not when every single individual has changed so let us make the niyyah and let us begin let's look at our own lifestyles our earnings our spending our priorities and above all our standards and role models and ask what needs to change believe me we don't need a degree in islamic law to figure out what we must change we know it we know it all the time has come for us to do what we know we must do to give you some very simple examples how many of us do not know that to pray the five fard salah salawat on time is essential how many people don't know that or that eating halal is essential for the acceptance of our ibadah and dua 
I always say this to people. We Muslims make a big song and dance. If we are, if we say that, you know, this chicken is doubtful or something, we don't know is it halal, not halal, zabiha, not zabiha. I've got Hindu friends who have never eaten meat in their whole life to please their God. And we Muslims, we cannot imagine not eating meat one meal because you are not sure. What's this? I mean, what sort of lifestyle is that and, and what do you expect to get out of that? And it's not as if if you don't eat that meat, we'll die of starvation. I mean, somebody like me, if I don't eat anything for a whole week, it will actually make me feel good. Forget about one meal. But that's our thing. How many of us don't know that? How many of us do not know that if we deal in interest, our name will be written in the list of the enemies of Allah? And if you are shocked by that statement, ask yourself, what do you call somebody you are at war with? Friend or enemy? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said it, I didn't say it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, if you do not do this, فَإِلَّمْ تَفْعَلْ Then Allah said, then take a declaration of war from Allah and His Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa I will let you make your own list. But will suffice to say that unless we clean up our act, nothing will change. And what's more, the real story will start when we die. And that story has no end. And that's not something that I wish for anybody. As always, the seerah of Rasulullah is an excellent guide. If we take the Makkan period, Rasulullah focused only on one thing. To build and strengthen the connection of his followers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This period was perhaps the toughest period in the seerah with challenge after challenge. The Sahaba were persecuted, they were attacked, they were tortured, some even killed. But they were not permitted to retaliate even in self-defense. Their only recourse was to be patient and to turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This had the effect of tempering iron in the fire to create steel. They understood the power of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. We must learn that the solution to our problems lies in obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not in making excuses to disobey. أقول خلي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم. الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فعما بعد فقال تعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد. To address the need, second point is to change how we educate our children. 
I'm going to share with you the overall thought process this Juma and the actual nuts and bolts next Juma, inshallah. I've been talking about this for the last 20, 20, 22 years. And recently, just about less than five years ago, Elon Musk started a school called Synthesis School. He must have read my mind from somewhere. I mean, it's a, everything which I have been talking about for the last 20 years, they are doing, except one. Which is the connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To address the need for change in education, we must ask ourselves a very very serious question. I'm asking you to ask yourself this very serious question. That is, what does your child represent? Your child. What does your child represent? When you look at Azim, what does he represent to you? When you look at uh, Karim, what does he represent to you? When you look at Adam, what does he represent to you? What is that? Warm body to be fed and clothed and equipped with enough gadgets or something more than that. Is that child your legacy? Is that child your sadaqatul jariya? Seriously, you don't have to answer me, answer yourself. Is that child your sadaqatul jariya? If so, if it's a warm body to be taken care of, there's no difference between that child and your cat. Go ahead, do what you want. But if it is more than that, if that child is your legacy, if that child is your face after you have gone, if that child is your sadaqah jariya, then believe me, my brother and sister, stop fooling yourself. You have to do a whole lot more than what you are doing. A whole lot more than what you are doing. And believe me, I am talking to you about your children, not mine. I don't have any. Alhamdulillah, Allah bless me. No, no kids. I'm talking about your children. Because most parents do not have any idea of their own power to script the future of their children. Consequently, they have no specific plan for their child. Let me ask any of you here. Do you have a specific plan for your child written down which you have discussed with your child? And if you don't have that, after you finish Juma, pray two rakat, tawbah, istighfar, put your head in sujood, cry and weep before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have no, if you have no plan, you have no goal, what are you, what do you think you're doing? Eh? What do you think you're doing? Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you the, the role of parents just so that you can feed them in time and clothe them in time and keep them, give them a roof over the head. Is that, is that the reason why the Jannah is beneath the feet of the mother and the father is the door of, of Jannah? Is that the reason? Ask yourself these questions. Serious, hard questions. But believe me, you need to ask these questions. We have managed to create a global society which is almost exclusively based on amassing wealth and possessions. A society where worship of personal desire is the predominant religion and selfishness is the primary virtue. Sit down with your children and ask them, what do you want in life? Make it a normal conversation, right? What do you want in life? And see how many of them come up with statements which are 
anything other than material wealth. I want to drive a Ferrari. I want a million dollar house. I want a yacht. I want to marry the most beautiful woman. You marry a second one in this country, you go in jail. How many of them come with anything more than material stuff? That is, these are indicators. These are metrics. Do that. Do that as an exercise when you go. Don't tell me what. You go, sit with your children, normal conversation, say, okay, let's share. What do you have in your mind? Don't tell them, do this, do that. Say, don't ask them. Just, just listen to them and you have an idea of what you have, your, your challenge and your task ahead. We have a society which is which has zero compassion. Cost to others of our achieving our goals, cost to the well-being of the environment, cost to the hopes and aspirations of the less well-endowed have all lost meaning and they are not considered even worthy of passing thought. The reality is that we are burning our candle at both ends and are about to be plunged into darkness from which nobody can emerge unscathed. As a friend of mine, Professor Madhukar Shukla from Exhalala Jamshedpur, he said, growth for the sake of growth is the philosophy of the cancer cell. Growth for the sake of growth is the philosophy of the cancer cell. And you know what is the end of cancer? Not only the host dies, the cancer also dies. What do we have in this country today? What do we have in the world today? Ask people like Muhammad there, Dastagir and me in the corporate world. What do we talk about constantly? Growth, 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 growth. And you come with a single digit figure, they'll throw you out of the window. Double digit growth. For what? To do what? What is this growth happening? What is the effect of this growth? I teach this wretched stuff for God's sake. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you this. This is, I don't know what, I don't know how to call it, what to call it. In the words of another philosopher called J. Krishnamurti, he said, It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. He said, It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. My brothers and sisters, believe me, whether you like it or not, we are profoundly sick as a society. Muslims, non-Muslims, country, anything. We are a very sick society globally. And that's the reason why we need to rethink education because our present education system, which was started in the industrial, at the time of the industrial revolution, 1784, in UK and later America and was exported to the rest of the world, is spectacularly successful. And that is the problem. Our education system has not failed. Our education system is very, very successful. It is successful to do what it is designed to do. And what is it designed to do? To create unthinking, unquestioning workers. The system is designed to create unthinking, unquestioning, obedient workers. It is enormously, it is mind-bogglingly successful. And that is the problem. My brothers and sisters, we have to get out of that. What we need today to cure our potentially fatal global malaise is the opposite of what our schools are designed to produce. 
We need people who are thinking, questioning, positively rebellious leaders with the commitment to work for the benefit of others. People with the skills to diagnose, define, conceptualize, strategize, communicate and monitor that. But before the, all that, people with the integrity, compassion and energy to continue to work in the face of disappointment, discouragement and opposition. This is what we need. I submit to you that we do not have an implementation or quality problem. We have a design problem. A railway carriage is not designed to fly. It is designed to be dragged along behind an engine. No matter how much power you add to the engine or how luxurious you make the interiors, a train will never fly because flying is first a design issue. A microlight aircraft, on the other hand, flies with fractional horsepower because it is designed to fly. Our education is not designed to create leaders. It is designed to create mindless, obedient followers. Fancy infrastructure, air-conditioned classrooms, using state-of-the-art technology, high or low fees or teacher salaries will still not produce leaders because we are building railway carriages designed to be dragged along behind an engine. We cannot build planes in a train factory. If we want to fly, we need to build a plane factory. We need to rethink our design based on our objective of taking to the air. Design dictates performance. We need to redesign, not alter trains expecting them to fly because trains will never fly. My brothers and sisters, in summary, therefore, real education is the result of the integration of academics with structured life experiences, helping students with tools they need to derive applicable lessons. Today, there is a focus on standardization, standard testing, standardization of syllabus, standardization of curriculum, standardization of examination systems. But if you look at it, real learning comes from variety and diversity of life experiences not standardization. The question for us therefore is how do we help students to have a widely diverse menu of life experiences so that they have a sound basis for diagnosis and decision making. In my education from, from my beginning, I went to a madrasa. I went to one of the best schools in the country. I spent five years in the Amazonian rainforest. I hunted and fished on the Burbis River. I fell off a horse, broke my shoulder. I trained dogs to catch criminals or catch people. The dog does not know he's a criminal to catch people. I gave khutbahs in a, the, the, the khutbah I gave in the in Malaysia and the uh, Islamic University. There were 10,000 people in the masjid. And I have taught two people, just two people here in Connecticut. On a very, very nasty winter evening. Just two people. Complete diversity of experience. From one end to the other. I learned there. I documented that. I've written books on it. I teach that stuff. The question is, how can you give that to every child in every school? You won't get it in a million years. In standardized teaching, let me give you, let me tell you that very clearly. 
Education is my line. The biggest challenge, and I want to close with this, and greatest resistance to this new philosophy will come from who? Ourselves. Our own minds and hearts. I told you Elon Musk started the synthesis school. What is it that most people know about Elon Musk or say about Elon Musk? They say he's crazy, right? Isn't that what they say? They say Elon Musk is crazy. But you know, you need that kind of craziness. You need that kind of craziness. Positive craziness. The truth is that the beauty of accepting responsibility for a problem is that then and only then are you given the ability and strength to solve it. You cannot change what you don't own. So let us begin by being brutally honest and own the responsibility for the problem and then make dua and effort to solve it. The solution is what I call integrated education. What that is, inshallah, if Allah gives me the life and ability, we will talk about that in next Juma. Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taqfir lana wa tarhamna la nakunna min al-khasirin. Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt wa aafina fi man aafayt wa tawallana fi man tawallayt wa barik lana fi ma aatayt wa qina wa sirifanna sharra ma khadayt fa innaka taqdi wa la yuqda alayk fa innahu la yazillu ma walayt wa la izu man adayt تبارك ربنا وتعاليت نستغفرك اللهم ونتوب إليك ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر لنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار وصلى الله على نبي الكريم وعليه وسائب أجمعين برحمتك يا رحمة الرحيمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعزكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عدو يستجيب لكم ولو ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أخي مسلم